So, Lynn, Lynn Boreen, uh, thank yes. you for coming back onto the journey. And this will be part two of um, our first talk that we, we met, and that was in episode 18. And you shared about um, <coughs> your experience growing up and about um, <coughs> your family, and as well as your own experience um, with, uh, with depression and how that impacted you first started off with, uh, with the eating, uh, eating disorders and the disordered eating when you were younger and how that, uh, impacted your life. But, um, so welcome back to the journey and, uh, we, yeah, if you could just maybe give us just a, a, a brief summary of what we talked about last time regarding, you know, your growing up years and how you were impacted by mental illness, how the family's been impacted by mental illness, and then we'll kind of get into more of what you want to share about living with. Um, okay, yeah. good. Um, last time I did recount um, what in many ways is a very sad and unfortunate story of depression and suicide in my family. Um, my family has an actual bona fide genetic organic um, reason for depression. Um, it has impacted us from not only my generation, not only my parents' generation, which would be on my dad's um, side of the family primarily, but the generation before that. Uh, my dad um, did not know his aunt, but his aunt took her life, um, and there were mental health problems on his side of the family, a lot of anxiety and what they called at the time a nervous breakdown. Okay. Um, and then last time I was telling you that um, of the unfortunate uh, circumstances of my brother's um, intractable depression uh, resulting in suicide at age 26 and then my sister following suit at age 42 and then more recently in 2012 my dad um, it's a pretty shocking story mm -hmm. and what I why I hesitate to even recount that is that I don't want people to then focus on oh my goodness, what an awful story, what a tragedy, what, how shocking, and miss the point, mm -hmm. which is, it's, it's awful, but I'm still here, and there are things to learn and do with all this uh, sadness and with all that I've had to work through in counseling and um, writing and praying um, I have come to a good place and my background can 
benefit me and I hope benefit others by uh, my understanding of their situation. If someone has diabetes in their family and it's quite severe and their lifestyle is totally revolving around their insulin and they have to carry it with them and it has to be cold and um, using a syringe and testing their blood sugar before they eat anything, it's huge. I don't have any physical difficulties. And my family, uh, when my parents were both living, they had very few. Uh, We're a healthy, fit uh, family that looks on the outside like we're quite well. So all that is to say, I don't have a corner on suffering or tragedy there are many, many, many forms of it, as you well know, as a counselor. Sure. Um, I have my um, story to tell and how I've been able to uh, find a fulfilling life in spite of it. And I don't pretend to understand what it's like to live with... um, a severe physical disability or cancer or um, other things in my background, kidnapping or, you know, I could go on and on here. There are many, many ways that the human condition uh, manifests its darker side um, and Other people have other experiences with that and need their own counseling and their own uh, help to get through that. This is the thing God has given me so that, um, and you know how it is, it's kind of uh, interesting how God will send me People who just, they'll say something. Maybe they've heard me speak somewhere. or Maybe they've heard me share even at dinner that I take medication or could be a number of things. I've had people call me and say, well, I understand that you've, that you take medication for your depression. Would you mind talking to me about my medication? Uh, Or... I heard you say this, or, you know, a long time ago you uh, were saying something about this, and could we get back into that? People pick up on it if they if that's what they need. Right, yeah. So, you know, I think one of the things that has definitely began this process of changing is there's a lot more awareness now than two generations ago. Oh my goodness. And I mean, even this particular yes. month, you know, the month of October is mental it's health. Mental health month. Yeah, mental health awareness month, right? And and if you think back to uh, in your family, um, grandma, your grandparents on your dad's side, your parents, um, was depression, was anxiety talked about, or um, was it just silently coped with? 
Well, there was this term when I was growing up. I was born in the 50s, so then I was, you know, growing up and a teenager in the 60s, and I remember that term, uh, nervous breakdown. Sure. And somebody in my family, my grandmother's sister, actually that is on the other side of the family, so I guess I get it with both barrels, um, had a nervous breakdown. And my grandmother took a couple months to go and stay with her. And I remember that I don't remember how old I was or if... As a child, it had happened before I was even born. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do remember that that was the term. Uh, with mental health and with um, eating disorders and with just so many aspects of good mental health, when I was a teenager going through a grocery store line, you did not see uh, these things on the fronts of the magazines like you do now. Mm-hmm. If you go through a checkout line and you see um, Oprah or you see uh, People and you see different magazines, it will say right on the front, so-and-so, a star opens up about her struggle with depression or so-and-so uh, reveals uh, that, that she struggled with weight. It's, it's everywhere. Yeah. And when I was a teenager, it was nowhere. Right. And I think that's one of the big things, and that's why I appreciate you coming on um, on the journey and talking about uh, you know, not only how, you, how it f- what you experienced growing up, but that you want the best you can is to change that not only for yourself, but also for your kids and, and grandkids and, and how to, how to break that cycle because we may not break the cycle of depression itself, but we can break the silence around it and the shame around it. Yes. So, so true. And I, um, the more I listen to people speak about mental health, um, mental illness, and the darker side of uh, coping with um, very severe depression and other forms of, of mental health issues, the more I'm inspired by them Uh, For instance, Kevin Hines that came into town uh, and tours the United States talking about how thankful and blessed he is that he did not die from jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge. And to my knowledge, um, he's not the only survivor. There are few, but there are survivors uh, from the Golden Gate Bridge um, which is like hitting concrete mm-hmm. when you get down down there uh, to the water. But he, I understand, is the only person that goes around and speaks as a survivor of the jump from the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah, from what I understand with that, because um, I've, I've spent some time 
not only did I have an opportunity to meet um, yes. Kevin when he of came course. into town, yes. um, but he, because um, when he came in town, he uh, we had sponsored for him to be at Rock Valley. That was our Suicide Awareness Day um, for Rock Valley. We did a, a, a wellness fair, a Suicide Awareness Fair wellness fair um, on the 18th, and he came yes. in and spoke to the, the primary stakeholders within the community. So. Okay. The chief of police was there, and a handful of different politicians were there, and different representatives from each one of the hospitals and the treatment facilities here in town. And he talked about what what things can we do as a community to bring our suicide rate down to zero, um, which is a pretty <laughs> which is a pretty big goal. It's a very big goal because there will always be people who um, uh, can hide. Their depression, and I didn't purposely hide mine, my mental health struggles. Um, it's just the personality God has given me yeah. that I'm able to appear um, pretty together, and that has thrown people off to the point where they've said, Well, you know, they can't even believe that I would even struggle. and that just didn't seem true and you know I almost had to convince them that um, I know I come across poised and all of that it's not that I'm uh, putting on an act or faking anything it's just it's just my natural uh, way of doing things that I'm comfortable speaking and I I'm comfortable relating to people, and I'm not reluctant to um, to answer questions and to be forthright. Well, I think w- one of the things, and you were speaking about this earlier today, about the idea that um, mental illness, regardless of its depression or anxiety or other different forms of mental illness, doesn't have a particular um look it doesn't have a particular face you know That's like right. like um this you know all the awareness that we have today on on breast cancer and yes. so it any you know there is not necessarily a particular lifestyle a person has for them to um contract breast cancer to ha- to have breast cancer That's or to right. have cancer in general and i think that similar to um when it comes to certain types of mental illness now, yes, we do understand when there's a, a post-traumatic stress disorder, that's because a person's been exposed to some type of trauma, yes. some type of event. And that's different, though we do know now with research that certain individuals are more um, susceptible to um, having PTSD versus someone else. So two soldiers are exposed to the same trauma. One walks away with PTSD, one doesn't. Yes. Some of the factors now the research is showing has to do with what what life events did they experience before? Um, were there some history of mental illness prior to that? And it just yes. had it manifest itself. So there's a lot of variables that play into it. There um, are. And I'm aware of that because uh, in my own family and in, in my own counseling, um, it was brought up to me that sometimes children can be involved in situations. This has to do with one of my siblings the situation might not seem traumatic to someone with a different bent and a different personality. Right. But it can 
impact and wound and stay with someone with a more, if you will, tender personality. Sure. You know, who's very sensitive, remembers things, overthinks, and builds something up to the point that it is almost a trauma built up in their head that they then go over and review. Yeah. So, so this idea of perception, right, how I perceive something, and that becomes my reality. So yes. my perception is one aspect of it, and then I start telling myself a story about that perception, and then that becomes my reality. And sometimes it becomes very, very ingrained. And if it happened at a certain time period in our life, that makes a difference. There's there's also this emotional piece that gets tied into it, and we get kind of locked into that. Yes. Um, I know that there was a handful of different things that you wanted to share about your journey, and now what you what you do to stay um, balanced regarding um, the regarding depression, regarding the different types and different faces of of mental illness that yes. that you that you walk with. So maybe tell us a little bit about what what does Lynn do to stay um, stay grounded, stay in that stay in that balanced area. Yes. Can I look at the camera? Sure, yeah. I do feel that um, there are quite a few things you can do to maintain good mental health, even when you have a genetic, organic, chemical tendency towards depression, um, like I do. let me just add, too, that I think depression and anxiety can sometimes be flip sides of the same coin. And I know in the 90s I struggled much more with anxiety, much more, and it was debilitating. And then I um, wasn't struggling for a lot of the time that my kids were growing up. I was able to do what I wanted to do as a mom and a wife and a church member and volunteer and work part-time and all those things. Um, And then in 2007, for whatever reason, circumstance, timing, my age, hormones, there could have been a lot of factors, uh, I started to experience depression and needed to figure out why am I so off and why am I... I normally like to be social. Why do I now want to just go in the living room and with a book and be to myself? Um, one message that I would like to give this morning is, you know, this big thing with hashtags. Uh, I'm a little on the older side to, to be uh, working with hashtags and putting hashtags into my, um, well, to ha- <laughs> to use hashtags. Let me just say that. So, kiddingly, what I do with my adult kids, three adult kids, is sometimes when we text, um, I'm, I'm not using the hashtag in the way that I'm sure other people would use it, but I've started just doing a hashtag and then whatever I'm <laughs> saying, like a hashtag 
um, I love you for sure, or hashtag have a great day, or hashtag um, thanks for our conversation. Just goofy. And when I first started doing that, one or two of my kids said, what, <laughs> what does that mean? What are you trying to do? And I said, oh, I'm not trying to do anything. I didn't even understand the, the concept of hashtags and that, you know, if you use a hashtag that's that other people are using, it can become a big thing and you can look at what other people say of using that hashtag. But I don't do any of that. I just sometimes put that in my text or put that in my emails to my kids. Well, if I was going to use a hashtag to all of you, to anybody that's listening, my hashtag would be hashtag stay with me. And the reason I say that is because of the people in my life that have taken their lives, that because of their mental illness, because they couldn't think clearly chose to end their pain with suicide. And if there's anybody that's listening to this or watching this, and I know someone will, and you're thinking about ending your life, I understand the pain I understand the desire to end the pain because I've also been there, because I lost the will to live and had to get drastic treatment for that. I understand it, but I also want to say, stay with me. Stay with me. Don't leave. Because... If you can get through this, these weeks, there may be wonderful mental health on the other side, and you just don't see it now. I've particularly been fascinated and pursued people whose stories involve attempting to end their lives and then when it didn't work they talk about how blessed and glad they are that they're still living I don't usually watch Oprah but one time I'm so thankful I saw a commercial this was long ago, long ago. The commercial said, be sure to watch Oprah Thursday as she interviews survivors of suicide attempts. Well, I made darn sure. Whatever my lifestyle was at that point, I made sure that I was home at that time and I had that TV on, and I could concentrate. It was so inspiring. The people who 
had attempted to take their lives had done so in very different ways. A young man, believe it or not, who had shot himself full on in the face and lived. A young woman, young, probably 20-year-old, who had wanted to die so badly that she lay down in front of a train and lived. The young man who used the gun could no longer see, and he had a lot of um, facial um, reconstructions. Thank you. Um, The young woman was uh, paralyzed from the waist down. She was a paraplegic using a wheelchair. And I've read other stories, too, of people who then say, when I was in that little narrow space and I couldn't see any reason to live, the pain was so bad I just wanted to end it. When I woke up still alive, I thought, there are reasons I want to go on. I'm glad I didn't die. And that was one of the messages that Kevin Hines gave is when he jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and it took those few seconds to travel those hundreds of feet and hit that water like concrete. He said his feet left the bridge and he thought, Oh, my God, what have I done? I don't want to die. 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 And miraculously, because not many people do survive a jump from the Golden Gate Bridge, like hitting concrete, miraculously, Kevin Hines survived. And this is what I understand. I can't go back in time and ask my brother or my sister or my dad or anyone else that's... um, that I know that has died by suicide, I can't go back and ask them because they didn't live. But of those people you can ask, it really is pretty much their story that, oh, possibilities opened up. Possibilities opened up and they want to live. And they do live, and they go on to be fulfilled. I'm not going to say happy because, you know, that's an illusion. If you're prone to depression, um, you're going to have times when you cannot feel happiness. That's okay. Life can still be fulfilling. So my hashtag is stay with me. Stay with me. Stick it out. Wait. Wait another day. Wait another week. Wait until the next family wedding or whatever it is. Hang on and see if things change. And, of course, get help. Long ago in the 1960s, this really dates me, I was a teenager at the time, 
And there was an extremely popular um, poet, kind of a pop, pop poet, pop culture poet, Rod McEwen. Have you, you ever heard of this guy? Mm-hmm. He, um, I had a book by him. I don't have it anymore. But, boy, I must have read that book a hundred times because I can remember one of the poems word by word. And I think the message is just so beautiful. He's talking about a love relationship. He's talking about a relationship with a woman, a dating relationship. But if you look at it differently, you can talk about it like I'm talking about it. Um, And here goes part of the poem. Thank you for the sun you brought this morning, even when the sky was full of clouds. Thank you for the way you held me yesterday and steered me through the noisy Paris crowds. And then there's more that I don't remember. And then it goes on. And thank you in advance. If there's even half a chance you'll stay. One more morning one more day I'd like that to be my message I've experienced surviving suicide one of my siblings had other times that he attempted to die and it didn't work his depression was so bad that he went on to try it again Excuse me, but there are people by their own testimony, the ones I have mentioned, that went on to live. And we're so glad and so thankful. And even then, with the after effects, they were able to find life so fulfilling. And they were able to give that positive, that that um, helpful message to others. Not that, oh, it's so simple, all your problems will just go away. No, not at all. But that the struggle is worth it. To come out on the other side is worth it because many times the worst of the, su- of the depression is not going to be lasting day after day after day after day sometimes that's what people live with and I'm not trying to gloss over that but for some and that includes me it doesn't have to be your forever story it doesn't have to be your forever life it's so hard to believe it you need someone you need help you need counseling you need a psychiatrist you need a support group you need someone to look you in the eye and say this can get better trust me and my psychiatrist said that to me She said there will always be options. Can I say her name? 
Sure. Your psychiatrist, yeah. Uh, my psychiatrist is Dr. Martha Crotz in Rockford. Um, unfortunately, she's moving um, and relocating, but I believed her. I believed her. I trusted her. She said there will always be something else to try. And when she told me that she felt so concerned with the point I was at that she wanted me to get more drastic treatment and be more proactive. She said, I need you to consider either hospitalization or ECT. Yes, the old-fashioned shock treatment that people have such a terrible uh, impression and, and, and a horror of. But it's really not like that. You can take it from me. I talked to my husband, and we decided on the ECT rather than the hospitalization uh, for various reasons, which I would be more than glad to talk about uh, at another time. And my message is not, that's for you too. That's not my message. My message is, you find someone that you trust, someone that's going to look at you and say, you need to do something drastic. Yes, you can talk about it with your spouse. You can talk about it with your best friend, with your pastor. You don't have to make that decision alone. But there might come a time when something drastic has to be done. Yes, hospitalization is drastic. But if it's going to keep you alive and it's going to help you, it's going to help you come out on the other side, it's going to allow you to stay with your family, with your children, with your spouse, then it's well worth it. For me, that's what it came to. For others, I know they've chosen different routes. Go to someone that you trust. If you don't feel comfortable with the person you're seeing now, find somebody else. Call Kevin's office and work with him or another counselor to find a psychiatrist or a a treatment that's going to work for you. Go out of town if you need to. That's what I had to do because there are not every option is here in Rockford. Don't think that it's too drastic and that would be too hard. Mental health is the most important thing you have and it's worth anything you have to do. When I got to that point when I had to have treatment, when I was just at the bottom and I wasn't thinking clearly, I went through the treatment and after three or four months of that, I did start to feel better. I was afraid that I had gone down so far and that was not the first time that I had gone down that far and didn't want to go on but I was afraid that I had gone down so far that I didn't know if I would be able to come back and one of those examples is my gym 
in Rockford, Fit Me Wellness. I thought, how can I even think of going back and doing anything? I have not done anything for six months. And this was two different times. But lo and behold, you can always walk or you can always do a stationary bike or you can always do an arm motion stationary bike if you have that kind of movement. And you can always, always start small. I mean, really small. This is one thing that I do with just about everything, bite-sized pieces, one day at a time, small, small, small. Your kitchen looks overwhelming. You don't think you can do it. You don't feel like doing it. Go around your family or living room and pick up all the glasses and put them by the sink. Then an hour or two later or the next morning, put the plates in the dishwasher. Then in the afternoon, put the glasses in the dishwasher. And, or in the sink. Bite-sized steps, one day at a time, one hour at a time. All you can do is think about the next few minutes. Okay, go take a shower. Just do one thing. When I was really depressed, one reason why my husband and I decided that I wanted to stay at home and go to outpatient treatment was that I thrive on routine, and my routine involved when there was nothing else I could think of doing, my routine involved my saying, okay, all I'm going to do is go walk straight in the shower. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Do not look right or left. Do not think about your phone messages. Nothing. Get up. Take off your pajamas and step into the shower. Oh, wow. You just did that. Then the next thing I did, and this is how I had to do it for a while, was let my dog out. My dog's looking at me. She has an eager look on her face. She doesn't have a dog door. She's helpless. She can't do it without me. And I'd let her out. And when she'd pee, I'd think, oh, good. We accomplished it. We did it. <laughs> That's number two. And then the third thing was put the coffee on, the coffee maker. I remember those three things were an anchor for me morning after morning after morning. And then Dr. Kratz said, now what I want you to try to do is not to lie back down as long as possible. So I did sit back down. <laughs> I did drink a cup of coffee, but I tried to stay sitting because she told me that. A lot of times with depression, you just want to sleep. Or lie in bed and do nothing, or lie on the couch and do nothing. So anyway, I went back to Fit Me Wellness. I 
walked around the gym and around the gym again, the perimeter inside, inside the gym. And it's not that big a gym. And I thought, well, I'm just going to feel so silly doing this. But I didn't because several people said instead of, oh, man, you haven't shown up for a while or something equally as lame, several people said, oh, it's so great to see you again. And I thought, you know what? I can do this. And if I can walk around the gym five times, I can walk around the gym ten times. And then I can maybe get on the treadmill, and I can maybe spend ten minutes on the treadmill, and I can maybe spend the next week 20 minutes on the treadmill. And you know, we all know, we've all read the connection between physical activity and mental health. There's a definite connection you might have something that you love to do, play golf or ride a bike. For me, I don't, I'm not really into sports, but I do love to walk. I do. I feel so energized. I have a Fitbit. It's rewarding to me to try to get to my goal every day. And that mental health push, that or that physical push helped me so, so much with my mental health. I went to counseling with one of our retired priests from Holy Family, Father Beauvais, David Beauvais. And he said on many of our sessions, and I didn't get it, I didn't get it. He said, what drives you what energizes you where can you find your passion and he said for him if he was in his office and he just thought oh you know I I I have to have a break he said if I see kids playing on the playground uh, at the school where he was St. James or Holy Family, wherever he was, he said, I just get so energized by going out on the playground. And the kids will flock around me and they'll say funny things and interesting things. And that for me is a passion. And he was just giving me an example. I couldn't think of anything, sadly enough, at that point in my life. I said, well, I mean, I suppose pose my family but I just I, I just couldn't get it I couldn't get into it I couldn't feel it long after that I remembered those words of his and I remembered my reaction and I wrote down all the things that I love that give me passion I am nuts over animals, not just my dog, any dog, any uh, any creature, any living creature with a little beating heart and little legs and watching them and seeing how they operate and what we can learn from them. I love music. I love music. 
I will crank up Christian radio in my car and I will just belt it out in my little chapel on wheels. And I lost sight of that. I lost sight of it. I forgot about it. And I hadn't been listening to music. It was such a relief when I got back into it. I love to nurture my relationships. And I love people. I'm very social. Not in the way of, oh, when is the next... um, when is the next cocktail party? I, I, no. I like to visit. I have neighbors that I visit that need support. I just get, I'm so fulfilled doing that. Um, there's certain volunteer things I like to do. Um, certain activities with a couple of my adult children, I have one in town and two out of town, so with the one in town, she and I have our little favorite uh, things that we do together. We, um, we really, really like the Great British Baking Show. Oh, man, we, we just get so into it, and we just cheer on those bakers, and we just want them to do well, and the dog, of course, is always sitting with us, and... Um, you know, we make a big, a big deal out of, do you want to watch an episode? She'll ask me. And she knows me well, and she knows that that's something that helps keep me going. I love to read. I had lost interest in reading. I just couldn't concentrate. I just couldn't concentrate. And that's often a hallmark of depression, not being able to concentrate. So the first thing I did when I felt that I could even do it was I got a book of real short stories and it happened to be um, Sherlock Holmes stories. And at 7 or 7.30, um, better for me on the earlier side. I'm not that great when it gets after dark, but um, I would just read one. And it might be 10 pages. But I set my goal. My husband uh, is very helpful to me and very encouraging. He got the idea that we could play a simple game of cards every day. I mean simple. <laughs> like gin or uno, something really simple. Just to play one game, to do one thing, or sometimes he'd say, well, I'm going to go make a fruit run to Valley. Come on, let's go. And I'd say, oh, I don't feel... He said, just to get fruit. I think you can do that. We're just, I just need apples and pears. Come on, let's, let's go. One little trip to Valley to get fruit. Again, small things, day by day. What did you like to do before you were depressed? Think about that. Think about, as this very wise Father Bouvet said to me, think about what energizes you. Think about what gives you passion, what what you love. If you can't think about it, ask somebody who's close to you, what did I used to like to do? 
and then maybe ask them to do it. After one of my siblings died, I asked a very close friend if she would please go with me to an exercise class. And she said, of course, of course, I'll pick you up. Boy, did that help. We signed up and we went for the nine weeks or whatever it was and it got me back to, um, to, to living again after, after my sister had died. There are many small things. One time, actually, this same friend said, okay, we're going to do something. I'm going to pick you up. What do you want to do? I said, I don't know. Okay, we're going to do something. Oh, I know. There's a new, whatever it was, antique mall or store or something. Well, of course, I don't need to buy anything at my age. I'm trying to get rid of stuff. She said, come on. It's going to be fun. It's going to be good. I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to pick you up at 1 o'clock. And sure enough, we got there, and it was so interesting because at the ages that we are, boy, can you remember stuff from an antique and collectible store. You can say, oh, my goodness, my grandma, I think, had dishes like this. Oh, wow, my cousin has collected some Coke memorabilia. Oh, goodness, this is just like my old dollhouse. And we walked through that store, and we spent two hours, and she bought some really old um, really old tools for one of her kids that had a display on the wall of, of um, I believe it was really old tools that we don't even see anymore. There will be things. And if you don't have anybody that close to you to ask you, find a group at your church or find a way. And the gym is one of those ways <laughs> to be able to talk to people. It's sort of a magic place. You can get exercise. You can get endorphins. You can get socialization all in the same place and feel better doing it. So please try to find something that works for you. And again, my hashtag is stay with me. Lynn, I want to thank you for sharing. Uh, I'm just going to summarize for what I heard you say about the things that you've utilized to help your mental health. Mm -hmm. um, I think the number one thing I heard you say was the importance of relationships. Yep. And relationships not only with those significant others that you have um, and maybe friends, maybe family members, um, uh, you know, husband, wife, um, uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, children, um, but also friends. And then you talk about your relationship with um, a prescriber because depression, anxiety, mental illness can have a chemical imbalance component to it yes. to have somebody who specializes that works with psychiatry works um that specializes with the element of brain chemistry yes that they can um, work with you um along that part of it yes and that may need a more uh, intense option of ect um, if medication doesn't work but that's not for everyone the importance of uh, counseling or therapy. Or Regret hospitalization. Yeah, hospitalization. Or partial hospitalization. Yeah. And group therapy can Group can therapy. Yeah. 
and the idea that that may be um, like Father Beauvais or it may be a professional counselor. That's right. Um, and then you also talked about incorporating lifestyle. Um, that not only with what you put into your body, um, food and what you don't put into your body, um, but right. also going to the gym, having yes. movement and breaking those things down, which is something you learn in counseling, um, into small pieces, yes. um, bite-sized pieces, but yes. constantly setting up uh, of stretching yourself out of that darkness, um, even if it's just one step at a time, yes. um, of one move at a time. Lynn, you've done a phenomenal job of sharing your story and sharing some of those steps of not only the chemical imbalance piece and how to write that imbalance, but the importance of relationship, the importance of, uh, of having some outside perspective, either from a professional counselor or a trusted friend, um, but then also um, being able to incorporate that all into healthy lifestyle. What are you passionate about? How can you be involved with those things? So, Lynn, thank you very much for being here. And um, if just one aspect can be can help just one person if one aspect can help one person and uh, because that's the whole point right that's how the can whole point how can we uh, be a light for others when for they're in their darkness person. Yeah. yes so. and i know there's going to be somebody yeah. that can relate and i also had a professional counselor mm-hmm. um laura allman is her name from whitestone counseling ministries so i had i had a lot of help and support yeah yeah so. Lynn, thank you very much, and I look forward to uh, our past crossing again. And, um, yeah, and I think I, I think I have some more, um, some more health-oriented messages um, that I've already started making notes about. So I hope we can meet again. Sounds good. Thank you very much, Lynn. Thank you. Yeah. Bye-bye. Um, thank you very much for being with us today on the journey and listening to um, Lynn as she shared uh, the different things that through her uh, journey with um, mental illness and what she's done regarding recovery, um, the importance of relationships, the importance of working to find the right person for her to um, write that chemical imbalance, um, as well as the importance of utilizing uh, counseling or therapy or treatment to learn those things that she may not have known, as well as just relationship with friends and significant others and incorporating a healthy lifestyle, um, just that one step at a time. Thank you very much for being with us today, and I look forward to being with you next week. Thank you.